Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, uh, Bailey Hancock here. Welcome back to The Bailey Hancock Show. Today we have one of my favorite people now. Um, <laughs> Harrison Kratz is one of those people that when you first meet him, you're like, who the fuck are you? And how did you get here? And why are you here? And then the same thing that makes you feel that way is the thing that you're like, you most admire about him. So we're going to get into all of that, our history. Um, but first I want to give him a proper introduction. So Harrison is currently the director of university relations for Trilogy Education, but his background has been in marketing and business development for all kinds of education companies from 2U, General Assembly, and Pluralsight. Um, he also has some very interesting little career jaunts, if you will, that he's taken across the last, what are you on, seven years of work experience now? Well, it de depends on what you describe, account as work experience. If it's since like I started Toy Drive, then maybe like nine. I think it was All right, eight, I feel like I, you're I really like stretching that a little bit, but so we'll give you nine. <laughs> in, big, in a big boy job, about seven and a half now. <laughs> so over the last seven and a half years, Harrison's kind of hung out in the marketing business development world, but he's definitely a multi-passionate like myself. So I'll let him get to all of that. But Harrison, uh, welcome to the party. Thanks, Bailey. Um, yeah, really, when you, when you, uh, I think when I saw that you announced the podcast, I was like, I better be invited, um, <laughs> especially for talking about passionate, because I would say that that's, that's something that, um, if anything, is one of my more mockable traits of how passionate I get about certain things. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I sometimes wonder too, how I got to certain places and stumbled, stumbled into it. So I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, no, I know exactly how you did it. You're tenacious as hell. And uh, you know, who's going to say no to a ginger? That, you know, it, it, it provides a lot, of, uh, a lot of advantages of being incredibly memorable. You're like, yeah, I do know you. Yeah. All right. So let's do this. So walk me through 18-year-old Harrison. You start Operation Social Santa, which tell everybody what that is, how the hell you came up with that idea, and then what happened after that? Let's just start at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So... Yeah, I was in I was in college. I was at Drexel University in in, in Philadelphia. Uh, that's where that's where I grew up. Um, and you know, it's funny. I, I think like most entrepreneurial endeavors, it sounds really at, at the end of the day, it sounds like that there's this aha moment. But really, it's it's much more practical than that. Um, so when I was eighteen, I was working at a kids' party place. Um, you know, for during college, I was working. It was like a moon bounces for for, for oh my party. god i didn't even know this about you this is amazing it would probably be our favorite hangout spot bailey yeah it was, it was really cool so i actually did that for right when i graduated high school did that through about a year and a half of, of college as well and had a blast doing it and i remember we we had a, the uh, kids from a homeless shelter come in um to have like a a free party for them for the holidays and and uh, i I think I dressed up as Santa. At least I asked to dress up as Santa, and um, and it was just it was just so so amazing to see just how two hours for them was you know was that that meant the world to them. And and I remember we gave them uh, books um, like kids books, and they actually asked me to write like a Christmas note in in. in Aww. It. Yeah, it was really it was really impactful, and I and I thought, you know, 
I really would love to do something bigger. And shortly after that, I really started getting into social media and Twitter when it was still kind of like, really like you could, you know, it was, it was mostly, Oh, my favorite athletes on Twitter. Let me tweet at him. Like it was what year really, was this? 2009. Okay. Yeah. 2009. So, um, so I really started getting more into that and started thinking about how I can leverage that in a more professional capacity and a larger capacity. And through Twitter and through some of the networks I had formed uh, through like the Public Relations Student Society of America, PRSSA, um, I just figured I'd try to start mobilizing people to, to build toy drives. And so it, Operation Social Anna was actually called Tweet Drive at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, we ended up having um, meetups for the tech and startup and marketing communities in different cities. And rather than at, you know, at the time you had $5 to attend the event, we said, let's not do a fee. Let's, let's have them bring toys. And, and each, each local organizer will partner with a local, um, local nonprofit to deliver the toys. And it, we, I started this on, I want to say October 13th, the first year that we did it, it might've been 2010 by then. And, um, and it was October 13th. Obviously, the perfect time to start a holiday campaign. Sure, you were ahead of it. And and we we did it. We did the damn thing, and we ended up having twenty four cities. We collected wow. about three thousand toys, and it was just and and I remember sitting there on you know Thanksgiving night of just trying to figure out how to build the WordPress site and just do everything, coordinate with volunteers, everything, and um, and it was for lack of a better word, it was it was magical. So then I went back to the we I, I still held kept that same event though at um at the party place it was called bounce you um still held that kids came in and what was so cool is rather than books this time not that books aren't cool um, what was so cool <laughs> to little that, kids not really <laughs> right and uh so we had about 120 toys specifically for that group of kids um that was a lot and um and what was so cool is we had such a diverse grouping. I actually was able to go up to every one of the kids earlier in the evening and ask them what they wanted for Christmas. We actually nailed it. Like we, wow. like one wanted a princess Barbie. We had a snow white Barbie. Like one wanted a football. We had a football. And so I got to dress up as Santa, give their, the toys to them. And, uh, and there's just some pictures from it that really, I, there was one girl that was like, you're not Santa, like, no, you know, like, you're, you're Harrison, like, I was just on the moon bounce with you. And I was like, no, no, I'm Santa. And then uh, the biggest skeptic, she must have been 10. But I still have a picture where I gave her a, um, I think it was like a bop at extreme. And her face is like, whoa. And you're just like, it doesn't matter if they believed or not. So it was, it was really cool. And um, I still from a business perspective, had no idea what I was doing. Um, didn't set it up as a nonprofit, really just wanted to just have fun with it. And we did it for four holiday seasons. We collected wow. 12,000 toys across the country, even some international cities got involved. It was really, it was really, really cool. And, and uh, it's probably the ultimate downside for, as I mentioned earlier, having big boy jobs now. But I just haven't had time to mobilize it in the way that I wanted to. And, and uh, if there's one thing I could return to, it would probably be that. Every little Jewish kid's dream growing up to be Santa Claus. <laughs> I don't let anybody tell you different. <laughs> Jewish kids love Christmas so much. I still do. Like, and, and luckily, I mean, we did celebrate Christmas in my house because my dad, uh, you know, my dad is Christian, but um, definitely it is funny to have 
I was joking last night. Last night was the, or I guess, can we, you can cut this, right? Can we say (laughs) when we're recording or should I act like? Just go for it. So when we were, when we were recently lighting the candles for Hanukkah, um, you know, we had to turn off the Christmas, Christmas music in the other room. I, I joke that that's, that's a family tradition of mine is, is no, 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 stop. It's a wonderful life. We have to light the, the Hanukkah candles. So it's, you know, it's, multi-passionate doesn't have to just be for work. It can be for holidays too. I, I don't think any Why true words, have, I don't think true words have ever been spoken. Oh man. Well, that's awesome. So tell me about when you were creating, um, Operation Social Santa and you leveraged Twitter in the early days. What about that experience, I guess, kind of set the tone for the work that you would then go on to do in marketing and business development? Because you met a lot of your, the people that you still work with today through that process, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that that's really laid down actually the groundwork for a lot of um, my success, however accidental it might be. Um, we... The, the thing I learned from Twitter was that when, when people are accessible, when you do have a line of communication, if you do it thoughtfully without, you know, without an agenda or, you know, y- you can get through to anybody. And the worst that they can do is say no. Or right? just ignore you. Or just ignore you. And then you move on, right? And then, and then you're not wasting any more time on it. So um, to have that such a simple line of communication um, into others. It was so, was very revealing for me. It, it gave me, it made, I think it gave me a little bit even more fearlessness than I already had. And, um, and, and, and I've moved on for, I don't tweet that much anymore. I actually don't even have the password to my account. Twitter is kind of a black hole of ugly these days. It's, it makes, it's really upsetting to me because I know what, you know, not just myself, um, but, there was a ton of students involved in, in Operation Social Santa. So I know for a fact what a bunch of, you know, 20 year olds and in 17, 18, 19 year olds were able to do through that platform. And now to see what it's become is, is really upsetting. But I do think that that message still rings true of that, you know, if the, the line of communication, if it's open, you should try to take it. The worst they can do is say no. And uh, honestly, more often than not, you'll, you'll be pretty surprised. Yeah. And I think coming from a place of no agenda, you know, no real expectations, just, you know, a good place where you were just trying to do something nice. I think probably today, the closest thing to that environment on Twitter is Instagram, where you're still able to get responses from people with large followings and who you admire. Uh, During the World Series time, uh, I put in my Insta story, I did a recap of Yasiel Puig sliding in a second and getting, you know, the no finger wag at him. Yep. And he responded to my story. He, as my no husband way. says, Yasiel Puig slid into my DMs and um, just wrote, haha. But I was like, oh, damn, Yasiel Puig just wrote back to my Insta story. Okay. So, you know, every now and then you're like, oh, yeah, this is such a short distance between you and somebody that you admire or that you think is way out of your league or whatever it is. Um, I think just coming at it from, yeah, a place of just good, honest, like communication is the best way to do it. And LinkedIn too, to some extent from a professional standpoint is still pretty accessible. Like most people will still respond to you at some point. It might not be immediate because most people don't check LinkedIn every day, but it's still a one-to-one like direct communication when email is so cluttered. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And uh, yeah, I th- it's, uh, that's funny with the, with the Puig thing. I mean, I remember uh, Larry Fitzgerald, the, um, Larry Fitzgerald, the, uh, eventually a Hall of Fame wide receiver for the Cardinals. He's just such a, such a class act. And I remember he, he gave me my first like Twitter response. And, and, uh, and it's so funny how those celebrity athlete interactions are, are so exciting. Um, but for me, yeah, for me though, it was, it was kind of my emerging business heroes. I, I remember um, getting started in PR. I was, I was checking out books at Barnes and Noble and saw this one book called Public Relations 2.0. Um, it was written by a uh, woman, uh, Deirdre Breckenridge. Um, I saw the name. I was like, oh, I, I, I recognize that name. The week before, I was put in, like, when Follow Fridays were cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if they were ever cool, but when they were still a thing, at least. Um, I was mentioning the same one with her, like with some other, you know, with, with a PR friend of mine. And uh, I was like, oh, I recognize that name. And so I tweeted her, like, hey, I just, just picked up your book. Really excited to read it. Um, since then, Deirdre has become one of my closest friends. Oh, wow. Uh, my, she was my mentor throughout, you know, throughout Social Santa. Um, she, uh, I had dinner at her house with her family. She was my, so when I did, I don't know if you know this, Billy, but I actually used to do a podcast and a video series of my own when I was in college. I she was my know, first but guest. I am not surprised. <laughs> I, I think we can dig up the archives. Um, Please. But she's just become a fantastic friend um and and a tremendous mentor when when i've when i've turned to her and uh she's had me come speak to her class to her uh, to the classes that she teaches at nyu and just something as simple as like oh i recognize that that twitter handle and hey i'm really excited to read your book and then you realize that somebody who's achieved a massive amount of success is still just a normal person they're still them. just a person i literally say this in every single interview, people are just people. Even the most impressive, successful person is still somebody's idiot brother or annoying little sister, you know, that's like just made it or has made it according to you. They, they might still feel like, oh God, I'm nowhere near, you know, so-and-so, they're business heroes. But really the line of communication is so short nowadays with social media, with email, with all of these things. I mean, I, um, who was it? Oh, Lewis Howe. Uh, Lewis Howell, who's kind of in the whole professional personal development space, he was on a podcast podcast episode with James Altucher. And I just posted a screenshot of the podcast episode and tagged both of them on Insta stories and was like, really great episode, go check it out. And Lewis responded to it and was like, thanks, I'm glad you liked it. We ended up striking up a conversation that lasted like a day. And at the end of it, it was just like, okay, cool. Well, thanks for doing what you do. And he's like, thanks for listening. And, you know, and it was a nice moment of like, Oh yeah, they're just people too. And I will say a good handful of my guests that have either already been on the podcast or will be are people that have reached out to me on Instagram and said, Hey, I've been following you for a while. I'm really excited about this podcast. I'd love to participate. And I'm like, you've been following me. I don't do anything cool. (laughs) Okay. And so to them, you know, I'm this person in their mind. And to me, I'm still like, I'm just nobody. I'm like following all these other people. So Never underestimate the power of, first of all, flattery. That will get you everywhere. Gets you really far. It it really does. And just genuine gratitude for the work that people put out because chances are they're doing it originally not to make money, but like because they're really passionate about it and they want to help people. 
So when you respond to like a newsletter, which I try to do often, just to say, hey, great newsletter this week. Thanks a lot. I nine times out of 10 get a response from that person that I think is a big deal being like, thank you. Because newsletter writing and sending sucks. And like even the best of the best still night, like night, it's nice to hear that people appreciated what you did. Yeah, I think I think the common thread in a lot of it, whether it's somebody reaching out to you and, and you being like, wow, why, why are they reaching out to me? I, I you know, I, I think it all comes to back to humility, right? I think it's yeah. just, it, it's one of those things that just attracts one another, right? There's no accident of, oh, wow, I was really surprised that that person got back to me. They're so humble. It's like, well, they got back to you because they're, they're exactly. humble. They're not above anybody. And so I really like that common thread. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the first big boy job. What happened? How'd you get it? What was it? <laughs> oh, man. All right. To you, so when we talk about the happiest of accidents, it, joining to you was the happiest accident in my life. Um, and, I, and I say that because, uh, because marrying my wife was not no accident. Um, <laughs> that, that, was, that was planned for a long time. Um, so, I was, so I was in school. I was a junior. I'd already started... Um, Social Santa. I had actually, I was actually also running a um, a uh, public relations and social media consulting firm. Um, me just trying to tell people how to do things when I was like reading it myself. Like, oh, I just read this blog post. Hey, you should do this. So uh, to call it a firm is is a very loose interpretation. But I did have business cards. I did have a site, and it was called Kratz PR and Management. And um, and so I was doing those things and I was lucky enough to go speak at a couple conferences at different schools and, and felt like I was really advancing. I, 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 um, when, when Mashable was still kind of that social media blog, I got invited to, uh, to go to Mashable uh, Connect, their first kind of invite-only conference um, at Disney World, which, uh, Bailey, you know me. Getting to go to a conference at Disney World is probably the coolest thing in the world. Next to being Santa, I imagine that's like your favorite yeah. activity. That, that was, if I could go as Santa, that'd be even better. Um, <laughs> this, is what, this is what Harrison and my husband Charlie have in common besides baseball obsession is Disney obsession. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, so it was, but it was great. So, so with that, right, with the whole not, the worst thing can do is say no. I was doing my video series at the time. So I interviewed David Cart, the founder of Tumblr, the uh, head of social for eBay, for PayPal, for all these different, like, and I, I was the only one that couldn't drink legally at the thing. It was great, you know, and, uh, but I really, and then I came back to finals, I think like the next week, I was like, oh gosh, I'm, this is not for me. I need to find something new. Um, the, the college experience for me was just not fulfilling enough. And, and I really wanted to learn. I figured I've been, doing these entrepreneurial things, but I haven't had any real guidance on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe I should start looking for a job, um, see if they're hiring. And, uh, and I applied to a few places, and then I started um, blogging for a friend of mine on the communitymanager.com. Uh, her name's Jen Petey, um, and, she, you know, and she's become a very close friend of mine. And, and she, she said to me, she said, you know, we're hiring at, at it was actually called Tutor at the time, and we're hiring at Tutor. Um, you should, you should apply. And I said, I, I'm still in school. Like you do know that, right? And she's like, yeah, you should still apply. And, uh, and I thought about it for a week. I actually think I sent it to a friend of mine. I was like, Oh, this is a cool job. You should apply. He, he, he didn't do it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to check out what, what this is all about. And so I realized that this company, um, partnered with top universities to power um, online graduate degree programs online. And, 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 
And it was just, and, and they worked with some of the top universities, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, Georgetown and USC at the time. Um, for me, USC and Georgetown didn't really matter being a, a lifelong Tar Heel fan. I was like, yes, they work with UNC. That's Done. a good company. <laughs> I applied, I interviewed and I got hired in seven days. Oh my gosh, and, which never happens. No, and uh, as their social media manager and um, for the UNC program. And, uh, and I was- and So at this one point, was, I feel like we've lived the dream three times in a row. And are you 20 yet? I was, I, I was 20, yeah. Still was, can't celebrate with a glass of champagne, but- No, and, and uh, <laughs> right. And, and uh, I, I wish that, that my colleagues only let me celebrate with a glass of champagne. It was much more <laughs> dangerous than that. Um, but so, so uh, luckily enough, actually, um, the reason why I was able to kind of start finding my options was my, my now wife, her and her mom actually moved up to New York. And so I actually had kind of a, a, a crash pad or just a home base in New York that allowed me to do that. And so I got the job a couple months later, summer of 2011, moved up to New York and, and started and, um, and did what I mean, and, and knew that I had a learning curve, I, I was, but I was really excited, I was really ambitious. And that was one of those things where I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly far from the most experienced, but I don't feel totally out of my element. Um, and, uh, and just showed up every day at maybe 637 and just, you know, and, and just try to make it happen. And, and luckily, um, I'm happy to go into how that progressed, but uh, luckily I, I was able to stick around, you know, it, looking back, it was probably a massive experiment on, experiment on both of our parts. And, uh, yeah, was, I was yeah. going to say, what do you think it was that made them give a 20-year-old still enrolled in college a job? What made them go out on a limb for you like that? Yeah, I think it's a couple things. Um, it's funny. I was just talking to my sister's about to graduate college, and she said uh, all of her friends are like, why are we still here? Jenny's brother, then, you know, has been just living the so dream. You're the bad example uh, for them. <laughs> right, I'm the bad example. The and, bad uh, example that made like, it. <laughs> And they said, like, what can I do? And I, my, my joke response was, well, get a time machine, go back eight years when social media was still this thing that people True, were trying to figure say, out. You were lucky because it. nobody really knew what to do with social media. It was still mm -hmm. such a wild, wild west. It was such a small, a small window. And uh, so I think, they gave, I think they took a chance for a couple of reasons. Um, first, you could, if from working with them for years now and, and still you know, staying in touch, um, the leadership on the marketing team, hey, the CMO, he hadn't finished college um, himself, um, but he went to Princeton. I, I didn't try enough to get him back. <laughs> and, uh, and Alexa, my, my boss at the time, she, she wanted people that had, it, she was much more focused on a DNA rather than on, on, a, uh, you know, on, a, on a degree or anything like that. And um, I do think, though, that because I was doing the interviews with people, I was guest blogging a ton, um, my work was out there. So you didn't have to just take me at my word. You were actually able to see my work. And that was, you know, and, and I think that really helped me because I just started writing and writing and writing. And, um, and I have Hamilton going in my head now. And, uh, <laughs> but, Please uh, don't you. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But I, I um, but I, I just wrote a lot. So you could see my thoughts, you could see my work, it was out there um, for, for people to see. And I think that they, they probably were in a, in, a, in a, they were in a position I think where they could take an, a, a bit of a risk. And, uh, well, and, and, and truthfully, I think that's such an important point for people to remember is 
you don't have to be given permission to start doing something. Yep. You know, you just started doing it. You started tweeting before it was like really a prevalent thing. You started doing social media management with your firm, you know, as, as real or not real as that was like you had business cards. So it was real. Um, was. and you just started doing it, you know, and you learned on the fly. And I think a lot of people wait for permission or they feel like, well, I need to go back to school or I need to like professionally, you know, take this on before anybody will give me a chance. But for a lot of things, you just got to start and then show yeah. that you have grit and determination and you're willing to learn on the fly and just put yourself out there. I think that's a really important part. I think, I think, you know, the, the whole ethos of, you know, of, of what you've been doing, Bailey, of, of, you know, the, the multi-passionate, you know, career path and, and things like that. I think that that's, that is a key piece to it, right? You can't just start something if you're not passionate about it. No. I was very lucky. I was very lucky to be at a point in, I guess, the social e ecosphere that, you know, um, and uh, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, and uh, I was at a really interesting inflection point that I was able to take advantage of those things. And my passion was, my passion was able to be enough. And then I was able to get myself in the door to learn the rest. And uh, I'm still learning the rest, but luckily the, you know, the, the passion, um, while certainly it's tough to sometimes keep it up every single day. Um, over, but that's over the important year. to note too. Yeah. Nobody's passionate all day, every day. Does not matter how much you care about something and how much you love something. We're people and our moods fluctuate and our passion levels fluctuate. That doesn't mean, you know, that's not something you want to keep doing, but like, don't expect you to really love every aspect of your job every single day. I always, I always thought that it, I, I can't remember what the exact quote or the exact piece of advice, but, but it, the, the core of it was that, um, you should do the thing that you should be doing is, is what you're reading about when, when that nobody assigns to you, right? Yes. Like, what are you doing when the, and it kind of goes for sports too, like doing things when the lights are off or when the camera's not on you, what are you doing? And, and I think that whatever's drawing you the most, that's, that's your passion. That's what, and I think it's things that keep pulling back at you, even if you do have a bad day or a bad week, you know, it, what, what's going to keep pulling you. And I've been very lucky to have multiple things um, pulling at me, um, but I've never really felt that it's, that they're conflicting with each other, that they're pulling too hard one way or pulling the other way. Mm. It's just, it's, there's always a balancing act that you have to find, but I, but I've been lucky enough to find that. That's another important point too. Like most people don't have one passion forever. Like right. if you are the kind of person that pays attention to what you're curious about and explores it enough, then you'll find that your curiosities change over time. And I think when you actually give into them a little bit and you explore them to an extent that like lets you almost check off the box, you'll find that your curiosity starts to sort of wane for that thing and then it grows for something new. And to me, you know, that's the most exciting part of life is I don't even know what I'm going to be super excited about in like five years. I have no fucking clue. And it's, it's exciting because that means there's more for me to learn and more ways for me to grow. Yeah. I, it's so well said. I, I don't know what's going to excite me in five years, but I do know it will challenge me. Five years is honestly a really long time. Right. I have no clue what I'm going to be into in like six months from now. Um, you know, and I think the better you get at listening to your curiosities, the quicker that process ends up being like yep. the faster the life cycle becomes of like a passion. 
Um, because it's the people that are passionate or think that they're passionate about something that never follow it. And I'm not saying like quit your job, follow your passion that way. I mean, give life to it, explore it past just like a surface level, level um, amount of knowledge. Those people tend to have the same lingering passion forever because it's almost like if you don't deal with it, it'll keep coming back. If you yep. give life to it and if you explore it, then usually it'll run its course and you'll learn everything you want to learn about it and then you move on. And I yep. think you can match that up to your career path to an extent too. And I think you're a really good example of that. I'm a good example of that. I've just kind of followed the things that have excited me and just, you know, watched where they went. And yep. that's allowed me to kind of bounce around in more of a, um, a consistent manner rather than like a haphazard path. Yep. Anyway. Okay. So you're at 2U. You leave Drexel. You're living it up as a 20-year-old in a place that he probably didn't belong but totally made the most of it. I feel like from knowing you for the last, I don't know, five years, maybe not even, um, three. three. Okay. Knowing you, we didn't even celebrate our, our friendship anniversary, Harrison. We just missed it. <sighs> um, how dare you? Um, you are similar to me in this, in the sense that when you meet somebody, they're in forever. Like they are no longer escaping your, you know, whatever the current day Rolodex is like, you build your network consistently and you never really let anybody fade from it so much that it would be weird to reach out. So I feel like a lot of your connections were originally founded in the two you days and now have just trickled into your next, you know, however many jobs, three jobs that you've had since then. So yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's a byproduct of two things. You know, it's, it's the, it's the understanding of that relationships are really the, um, I think are, are probably the most important currency to, to my job and to many others. Um, and it, it, education is such an incestuous business. I mean, there, there are only so many um, education companies really making waves. And what you'll find is that a lot of the same people have worked at them that, you know, have kind of revolved in circles. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really, it's a matter of, there is no, I wouldn't say keep your enemies closer. I would just say keep your friends close because, you know, you probably are going to run into them again. You're going to work with them again. And, and, and if you're lucky enough, it's not even going to be running into, you're going to get to team up again. Which I mean, my, best. it's the best, my best man at my wedding, my best friend. Um, we have worked together at 2U General Assembly and Drillogy and the bounce, the bounce. Uh, you oh my too. God. Yeah. So <laughs> that one runs deep. Yeah. So when you find people though, that are in your role and they're, they're passionate like you are, keep them close. You know, it's, you're going to want them. And even if you don't need them, um, for, for a future opportunity or anything, you're going to want them by your side and, and you're going to want them in your corner. And I think that, um, I think if, if I have any strength, I think I've been a pretty good judge of, uh, of who to have in my corner. And, um, then I, that's why, well, obviously why I'm sitting here. That's, that's why I'm sitting here talking to you. Exactly. <laughs> no, Harrison's one of those people that if you need a connection to, it doesn't have to be education at all. He's got a guy, he's got a girl. And I try and return the favor as much as possible. I feel like between the two of us, we probably know everybody, would you say? Maybe we're missing like five people. <laughs> Le LeBron still hasn't called me back. But all right, once he I'll does, work on it. I'll work on once it. Once he does, yeah. then, I, then I think we have everybody. Then we're good. No, I think yeah. the network piece is such a crucial element of career progression and success 
and happiness in your job because when you find good people to work with, that's everything. I mean, during our time at General Assembly, those were some of my happiest days and it was because I genuinely loved everybody I worked with and even Harrison. And it was one of those things that I knew in the moment, I was like, this isn't all that normal, I think, to really love all of your coworkers. And so I really lived in that moment. And I haven't let go of any of those people. I mean, and we are all, if you worked at General Assembly and you no longer work there, we have like spread out like a virus basically of employees across the US and even internationally. So now, yeah, I have all of these former coworkers, but like they're valuable members of my network. And when you have that, you know that you can almost get to any company, you can get to any kind of person that you're trying to get to within one to two degrees of separation, which you can't get a job, you guys. You can't like move through your career without the help of others. It just doesn't happen in a vacuum. Every job I've ever had has come from somebody that I know. It, it, it takes a village every time. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I've been lucky to, yeah, to have one, one heck of a village. And um, like I said, to, to team up with people again is just, that, that's the best part because that means that you left behind an impression that you could have been yes. proud of. And then you get to continue that. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's a really special thing. And I would say for anybody that, you know, if that's something that I, that I learned was that um, environments like to you where, you know, we, I think I had a to you table at my wedding um, mm -hmm. as you did with general assembly. Um, yeah. You know, you, when you find companies that really, that where you just look around and you say, I genuinely like everybody around yeah. me. These that's, are people that's not normal and definitely cherish it for as long as it lasts. Um, I'm luck, very lucky to be back in that situation now um, with Trilogy and, um, and it's really, it's fun to be part of that again. It really, you do look around, you're like, wow, this is a great place. I could be here for, for a long time. And, and that's, and that only, that, that only, you know, strengthens your passion and even sometimes, you know, helps you find it again. If you do feel like that, should I do something different? It hasn't been a long time. And, um, and sometimes it's just, it's having good people around you that, that, um, that are a good buffer for that. And then you, and then you, you kind of catch up. Absolutely. And I think it's a good point to make too, for even when you don't like your job, if you like your coworkers, even if you don't like them, actually it doesn't matter. Never throw away a job. Like if you're in a situation where you're like, I just hate this place. I don't like my boss. I don't love my coworkers. Continue to still bring it every day or as much as you can. I've had a job like that where I was like, this is not my place. These are not my people. But I still had like three or four people at that company that got me and that I got. And we kind of banded together and got through the tough days together. And now we're all in different companies as happens right. with shitty jobs. Like people leave and they go elsewhere and we still have each other and they're all doing really cool things. And like, we've got each other's backs. And had I just, you know, not shown up when I really didn't want to, like this was the job that I would drive into the parking garage and like have a mild panic attack every morning, just thinking about going inside the building, which is never a good thing. But like, I could have just, been a version of myself that was like a shitty employee and a bad teammate. And then these people wouldn't have wanted to stick with me past that. So you still have to bring like the best that you've got, even if the situation is not what you want, because you're making impressions that will last long past that shitty job.
Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I think Harrison, for you, something that is definitely the defining thread in all of your jobs is Jamie. So <laughs> Harrison had, Harrison has, we'll call her like a mentor, but I don't know. She's so much more than that for you. Tell us about Jamie and how she has kind of shaped the roles that you've taken. Oh man. Now I have, I have to be very careful because if I say, if I sing her praises too much, she'll it's never let me live it down. And if I, don't sing them enough, then I'll never live it down. Um, so I was, yeah. So you talk about the village and I know who the leader of my village is. Let's just put it that way. Jamie Farrell, um, she is currently the chief business officer at Trilogy. Um, we have worked together now at to you at, at General Assembly and at Trilogy. Um, I remember she walked in one day. I was, I was, I was still social media manager at to you. Uh, Jamie walks in. I think she was a consultant at the time for Tuyu, and uh, we talked for about five minutes. And both of us like, we're gonna be friends. Like this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. And um, a couple months later, you know, we started talking. Like she's, I'm gonna build. You know, I, I'm building out kind of the business development team here. I have some projects for maybe that we can collaborate on. Like let's let's make something happen. Great. And kind of being that. You know, I've always called it an entrepreneur, right? Like finding that new opportunity, like this is an opportunity for me to try out something new and for me to grow a different set of skills within, um, you know, within, within my current job. Wait, my I want to pause on that because I think that's so fucking important for people to hear because there are so many people that, you know, glamorize being an entrepreneur and feel like yeah. I'm definitely an entrepreneur. I'm feeling trapped in this job. There is a whole angle you can take in your job as an intrapreneur, which means an entrepreneur on the inside, basically, that you can leverage those entrepreneurial tendencies that you have to like not only help the business because it's so helpful for the business, but to yep. really explore an opportunity for yourself that, you know, you'd have no business doing from the outside. So that's super important. And, 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 you know, and, and, I was lucky to be at a company where those opportunities were available to me. Right. It wasn't like I was going rogue or anything like that. Um, I just, you know, found an opportunity that blended in with my current job and, and I took the lead on it. And, uh, and so shortly thereafter, yeah, Jamie and I, yeah, Jamie brought me on as, as one of the first hires on the business development team. And uh, we just got each other. Um, it just, you know, the way that we, the way that we thought, the way that we approached, um, relationships and deals it just it it really meshed together and jamie is certainly um holds her colleagues and her and her employees to a very high standard um but when you meet that standard you're never sitting there wondering am i appreciated or um or am i doing a good job like jamie will be the first one to just say you know boom, rock star, whatever, ha hashtag awesome, whatever you want to put. Um, Jamie's going to be the first one, you know, uh, is going to be the one with the microphone. Um, she actually probably doesn't even need the microphone. She's probably loud enough. <laughs> she's a pretty but, loud uh, person. <laughs> but, but, um, and that's been consistent. She's been able, she's given me opportunity. She gave me another opportunity at General Assembly. Um, and that, that went very well while we worked together. And, um, and then at Trilogy, she teed it up and, you know, and I was able to take advantage of an opportunity on, it, on not her team. I have a little bit of a, I have at least a degree of separation from Jamie now at Trilogy. Probably but, um, it's, 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 it, it's, it's a new experience and it's fun for us to kind of figure out because um, we actually realized recently that we hadn't really talked that much, 
even though we worked at the same company for, for several months, probably since my wedding. And, uh, and then, but we, but we had our company meeting coming up and we were just both so excited to see each other. And I, there weren't many people that I spent more time with than Jamie at company meeting. And I think that that's always, you know, that's, that's the mark of not just a good mentor, but also actually not just a good mentor, an even better friend. Um, really she, she's, uh, yeah, to call her a mentor is, is probably not enough. I mean, she was on, she was on the very short list for my wedding and, and, uh, and it's on the short list for anything in, in my life. And so, uh, so everybody needs to get them their Jamie, basically. Get, get yourself a Jamie and, um, and just, and let it ride, you know, don't let that person and show up it. for them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. You've never disappointed her because you also bring it, you bring it in everything you do. You bring that intensity and that redheaded passion of yours and you make it happen and you go above and beyond and, yeah, and kind of to dovetail into how Harris and I even came to know each other in that General Assembly job. Jamie had started at General Assembly a little bit after me, and slowly but surely, she started bringing in all of these to you, former colleagues of hers, which also speaks to this whole keep your people close. Because if you can develop a relationship, a really solid working relationship with people, there's a solid chance you will end up coming with them or you'll bring them with you to jobs that you each have going forward. There are so many people from my GA days that like we are always trying to find a new reason to work together. Like people have, yeah. you know, I've gone the consultant route. I've been brought into past colleagues, companies where I had no business coming in as a consultant, but they vouched for me. And that is the whole friggin' point. And the mentorship yep. thing, people, you know, there's a lot of talk about mentorship and how do you get a mentor and all of that. And sometimes it's as easy as working with somebody that takes a liking to you and wants to give you a chance, like it was with Jamie and Harrison. Sometimes it's mentor from afar where maybe they don't even realize they are your mentor, but every now and then you're reaching out and asking questions, not too many, like one at a time, and they're giving you that feedback. And so mentorship takes many, many forms, but it is important to have somebody that can vouch for you and sees kind of a diamond in the rough before you're this built out professional and will really, you know, give you a chance to develop that under their wing. Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself a mentor guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think that it's one of those things too, that if you're wondering, Oh, is that person, if you, if you have to wonder who that person is to you, or if you have that person, then, then I actually would have to say that you probably don't have it yet. Um, and if you kind of can point to that, you know what, that's who, that, that person is that for me. Um, they probably are, they, they probably are. And I, and I would try to double down if you can and, and really keep that person close. And, and, uh, and then, and there's no, you don't, there's no quota. There's no cap, right? You can, you can find right. new ones at different, you're going to need different ones actually at different points of your journey. And right now at Trilogy, uh, my, my boss, uh, my boss, Shadi uh, Barkin, um, who would kill me if I only gave Jamie a shout out, not her, but uh, <laughs> that perfect mentor for me where I'm at in my career. Um, she, she expects, expects, you know, um, expects my best every day in, day out, gives me, you know, gives me feedback when I, when I'm not at my best, um, because I'm still learning. And, um, but at the end of the day, it is all about moving forward. It's all about, you know, finding success and um and you talk about people that are going to that i'm not letting out of my corner that, that that's that person and so you recognize that and you keep them close and and uh 
And don't further notice, it served me quite well. Yeah, and on the flip side, the moment that you're able to return the favor to somebody that's a few years behind you, I mean, they can even be in your same age range, honestly. Like a mentor or, you know, a career collaborator, as I sometimes call them, is just somebody that's got your back. Somebody that's, you know, they could be a colleague, but it's mostly about kind of pulling each other along with you, pulling them up when they're behind and vice versa when you're behind. And it's just good karma, good relationship karma, which I think yeah. if we can summarize everything so far, it's relationship building and management. I mean, yes, that's absolutely. how you've gotten into places that, so when Harrison first started at General Assembly, Jamie brought him in and assigned him basically to be my boss. And I was like, record scratch who the hell is this kid because you're what five years younger than me whatever it doesn't matter it's incredible. I, I, don't worry I, about I, it. I don't i don't talk about your age you you, <laughs> you you're you're still 24 to me so that's right so we'll, damn we'll straight actually you couldn't make me a million dollars to be in my 20s ever again um but i'm glad they <laughs> happened and i'm glad they're over um but yeah so harrison came in and like i said in the beginning of this the same things that annoyed me about him back then, just like, who the hell is this guy? What does he think he's doing here? He made a comment once that was, you know, it's my goal to be a VP by 25. And I was like, the fuck is this kid? Like, where does he get off? And now I realize I'm like, that's exactly why he's so successful because you set your sights high, you get in those, you know, you get in the back door from these people that really genuinely believe in you and care about you, and then you don't disappoint. And I think that's a good lesson for everybody that you can't just get handed an opportunity and then coast because that's probably the last one you'll ever get handed. It's about showing up, being grateful, um, you know, for the opportunities given to you, and then just making it rain with awesomeness. And right. you know, I mean, it's the, it's what is it? The Thomas Jefferson quote, uh, you know, shout out to another redhead. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the thing about luck is that the harder I work, the more of it I have. It's right. And, and or probably paraphrasing there, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always, you know, for, fortune favors the bold and, and that's, uh, and that's, that's always a driving factor. And, and, um, yeah, that is, that's certainly, uh, it can lead to my faults and to it, but it's also led to, uh, to the good parts too. Absolutely. Tenacity is not to be, um, underappreciated. So, okay. So let's fast forward cause you've been doing this marketing BD stuff for all of these education companies, which it's not lost on me. The irony of you dropping out of college and then staying in the education industry what, in every which way. Since I still work with schools, I feel like I should probably address that real quick. Um, so I still work with, you know, Trilogy. What's funny is that, at, you know, to you, I partner with universities to build online grad programs, General Assembly, we ran coding boot camps. Trilogy partners with universities to run boot camps. Uh, so we are a continuing education program manager. And, um, and so I feel like that, uh, and uh, while, I, while I certainly don't want to be a spokesperson for them uh, right here, um, the thing about you know the the irony of being at be working with universities and and having not finished myself is that these programs of, that I've been able to work with these schools that I've been able to work with have all been about making education more accessible, more value valuable, and having a stronger ROI for um, you know for students and individuals around the world. And uh, and so the the funny thing is is that um, I actually think I'm perfectly equipped. For you that. are. I've been able to, you know, I've been able, I, I know, I know what it's like to feel unfulfilled and, and what it means to, to need that alternative. 
And the fact that I get to work with universities that I think recognize that and, and are trying to find, create that solution rather than letting somebody else shape that future um, is, is great. And that's, and that's something that I'm very, very passionate about of, of changing that ed, the education pedagogy of making education more accessible and more fulfilling for individuals. So it is certainly ironic on the surface. But it makes perfect me. sense. It exactly. makes absolute perfect sense. And had your education system at the time been as good as the ones that you're working with now, who knows where you'd be? You could be in right. a completely different industry doing something totally outside of the scope that you're in right now. So I think it's like a beautiful, you know, circle that you've like, spent your professional career almost making it so that other people like you actually want to be there in a traditional yep. university setting. So yep. I think it's, it's very poetic and I think it's a, a good thing uh, that that is how your path went down. So, okay, we got your multi-passionate side. Let's talk about that a little bit. So throughout this whole time, you've had these little deviations um, that have nothing to do with marketing and business development. And I mean, Social Santa kind of ended up dovetailing you into the social yeah. realm and that's what kind of got you into you. Tell us what you're up to these days with your, <laughs> your hobby that has nothing to do with anything but seems to be something that's like really exciting for you and really lighting you up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's, it's, it's drinking, clearly. No. <laughs> it's classy drink. drinking. Uh, right, it's classy drinking. So I've... You know, I talked a little bit about earlier about things that keep pulling you in, right? And and for me, one of those things has been wine and the study of and and learning about wine and appreciating wine. My my dad has worked in restaurants for uh, over forty years as a manager. As he's owned a couple places, um, but he's also uh, he also took a couple wine courses as well, and 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 knows his stuff. And um, so I was always I've been interested about it for a while. And when we lived in New York. It's actually very interested about it, but um, when when you're on a when you're in an entry level job living in New York, you think you're a big shot, and then you're you're broker than anybody. And uh, so the bottles of wine that I was drinking kind of reflected that. And then uh, <laughs> and when they and and when they weren't reflecting that, that's that's when uh, I was just spending way too much money on them. And um, but I still had a, a, a big interest. I actually tried starting a wine blog. I didn't really get too far with it. And, um, and then let that sit on the back burner for a while after I moved to Los Angeles. Um, for me, it was just, it was too damn hot to, to be drinking red wine all the time. And, um, and I then I find, but whatever. Well, now I, yes, I disagree <laughs> with my, myself there as well. Um, but so since, so I would say about a year and a half ago, this is before Trilogy, I was feeling a little like my day job was not meeting my passion. It wasn't exciting for me. It was a great company, but it, it just it wasn't fulfilling for me on a day-to-day -day basis. And Which, can I, we pause on that for a second? Because that's something yeah. super important for people to hear too. There is no such thing as like a super straight line to the top of one company is super exciting, then the next one's even more exciting and even more fulfilling yeah. and yada, yada. There are always those dips in your career where you're like, okay, well, this isn't quite right. It's not totally wrong, but like, and it's not even it's not even about good company, bad company. Almost right? never. That was a, it's that where was you a are. Exactly, it was a tremendous company that that is going to change a lot of things in this world. Um, but it wasn't the right. The environment wasn't the the right fit for me. It was for a little bit, but ultimately there there was something 
open there for me. And um, so I, I found myself having the time and I think the, the mental or the passion capacity, whatever it is, to, to try something new. And, uh, and wine kept, uh, kept bringing me back. Um, and, uh, and so I remember watching several times, I watched it several times over the course of a couple of years, these documentaries on, on Psalm or on, on Netflix called Psalm um, and Psalm 2 into the bottle. And they're two fascinating documentaries, one on the process that it takes to become a master sommelier, which is there's only about 250 in the world, maybe 265 now. And, um, and then the, the sequel being or just on the wine world in general. I was fascinated by them. There was one individual, uh, Brian McClintock, um, who I, his story just resonated with me. I just liked the way he went about it. It was, it was, um, it, he, he seemed like he just worked incredibly hard and he just had a knack for it. And, uh, he's a former athlete like myself and, um, and kind of that whole thing of, you know, just reach out. So I, I reached out to him wanting to learn more and, um, he got back to me. We met up for coffee a couple of weeks later. Um, I then, uh, so we had a very casual meeting, uh, where he asked what I wanted to do. I said, I just want to learn, uh, take some time. Um, and so we, we went our separate ways and then, um, he doesn't know this, but then I said, Oh, I'm going to be in San Francisco in two weeks. Sorry, Brian. I lied to you. I did not have to be in San Francisco in a couple of weeks, but I did want to. Which is such a good trick. Right. Like if you're in sales, you already know this trick. You're like, can I get a meeting if I tell them I'm already going to be in the neighborhood? Exactly. Exactly. There's just something there that just like it, it, it because it's convenient for you. Then yeah. it's like convenient for them. It's, and, uh, so I, got in the car, drove up to Napa. We actually ended up talking for like a couple of hours and we realized that there was a trade-off here. So Brian has been running this wine club called viticalwine.com. It's the Viticol Wine Club. And it's about finding natural wine from around the world in a monthly club um, that, that he hand selects. He goes to the vineyards, he, he works with the, with the winemakers and he hand selects what bottles he wants to offer uh, his, his club. And, um, and he was in the stage of just starting to trying to grow it. And, uh, and I wanted to learn. So we said, we should, I think there's something here. So I started consulting for him um, and, uh, and you know, consulting on how he can continue to grow his business, optimize his site, things like that, kind of taking my business and marketing world and applying it to this new passion. Which and, pause, uh, because that's something too that people don't often think to do is if you've got this thing that's like, tickling you, right? Like you've got this curiosity. There's probably a way that you can plug in your hard Absolutely. skills and your experience to that space in a way that's not starting over. So everybody yeah. always thinks, oh, well, I know nothing about wine. I can't start over. I can't go back to school for it, blah, blah, blah. No, but you know marketing and biz dev and social. Now you get to apply that to an area that just generally excites you. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, and, it, and it made me a bit unique. It, it was allow, allowed me to bring something to the table where the only agenda on the table, not to, where the only agenda on the table was not my own, right? Mm -hmm. Then it became this, you know, this, uh, you know, this mutually beneficial relationship. And so, uh, so then over the next couple of months, I actually just started driving up to Napa every couple of weekends. We would, you know, we would talk shop, we'd drink some great wine. He, mm -hmm. he'd teach me about what we're drinking and, and it really ignited his passion. Um, Shortly thereafter, I actually ended up meeting a buddy of his, um, Chris Miller, um, who, who, was, who li lived at the time down in L.A., um, another master sommelier. 
uh, who's running, um, he's running a startup at the time, but he was also had a small winery project where he's making wine up in Monterey and uh, the wine was damn good. Uh, I said, Hey, yeah, I work with Brian, uh, do this with them. And he's like, we should do that too. I'd love to teach you as well. Um, Chris is, they're both great friends. Chris, Chris is one of my, my best friends. We, we talk all the time and, and uh, so we've collaborated. I'm on his advisory, his first advisory board member actually. Um, and, uh, and now I'm actually making some wine with him up in Monterey. I mean, it's just, which is odd. I still have yet to be offered any of this wine. I'm not sure. It's not ready yet. It's, I haven't, I I have to get back up to the, the, don't worry. You're not being left out. There's, I I have a list of who's getting certain bottles as a gift that your, your name is on there. Am I getting Um, the stems or do I get some grapes? Uh, you get, you know, you get, you get the full, the full bottle or the bottle, the cork, all of it. It's going to be full message to the glicks. Um, but, um, yeah, just don't go drinking in one place. Um, but, uh, right. But, um, but yeah, so it's been, and so during harvest this year, I got to go up for several weekends. Chris and I would work in the winery from not even sun up till sundown from 3 a.m. till 3 a.m. and just no way 24 oh, hours oh yeah and then Holy just crap. get back in the car and drive back I have a day job um and uh they were intense he was he's been he was doing that for like two months straight I was just doing it on on a few weekends and uh but to get my hands dirty to be to hand pick how I wanted the grapes to be crushed and to and to be there actually as the workers in the vineyard were picking them at 4 a.m to be there by their side um I, I don't know. It's, it, it's hard to summarize. It's, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm, I, I didn't expect to be there like most of these things, but I was, and I was going to make the most And then you're showing it. up at 3 a.m. Yeah. After a five hour drive, you know, right. and that's, that's what it, and that sometimes with your passion, that's what it takes. And so for me, it's, it's now I'm actually in this interesting stage where I'm not, I'm not feeling like part of me is empty. I'm actually feeling incredibly full from, from, from my work at Trilogy, um, from wine. And that's where the balancing act comes in. And so that's what I'm trying to learn right now is, is how do I balance this passion with wine? And, um, and, and I actually figured out how to hack this. So Brian, so I figured out how to hack this of how to stay close to, to, to this world um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, while still keeping my full attention on, on what needs to be done with, with work. And, and uh, my, wa- my wife is actually Brian's first employee. Oh, she, my gosh. She, she is his director of operations now. So she Brilliant. runs all business for him. So, um, so now. Again, like it's all, it's all in the family, you know, whether you're real family. family or not, it's all about keeping people close that you like keeping, working with keeping keeping your enemies closer for the birds you know i really yeah, I think nobody that, has time for enemies fuck it no way no way uh, put all your energy me. on keeping my, good people around you my my enemy is 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 on twitter uh tweeting at 3 a.m <laughs> it, it is and uh, i think we all know who that might be um we're all so, united <laughs> right we're all united in that but um but yeah you know it's it's it, but it, but all jokes aside, it actually has been pretty fascinating. It's it's allowed us to travel with you know with Brian. But really, um, especially you know Brian getting my foot in the door, and then now developing this you know this consistent friendship with Chris um, has just been so rewarding. Again, I feel incredibly lucky to have these guys in my corner 
um, trying to find new ways for me to learn, trying to get me involved more. Um, it's just so exciting. And so, like I said earlier, I, I don't know what I'll be, I don't know what I'm going to be excited about in five years, but I do know it will challenge me. And that's the fun thing about wine right now is that it, it's very challenging to, to taste wine and to think you know what you're talking about. You mm-hmm. feel like a fish out of water all the time. And I think that that's a really good place to be, at least in some part of your life, um, because it means that you're growing. It means that you're not stagnant. And I, and I to be honest, I felt that way for a little while. And, uh, and I know we that all do. I know that's kind of ridiculous. I'm 27 to say that I'm very lucky that it's only been a short time. No, but, but you're like, you're like listening to a podcast on triple speed. Like, yeah, you're 27, but you with your intense passion and your insatiable need to constantly be learning and doing new things. I feel like at 27, you're at a place in your career where some people either never get to, or like in their forties. So also never apologize for that. I think that's one of your best yeah. traits. It's also one of your most annoying traits, but it's your best trait. So what I, I do, I do what I can. Right. You know? I do what I can. No, I think all of this has been incredibly valuable. And I think kind of the moral of the story here is like, if you want something, go get it, reach out. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, but you better show up and bring it. If somebody opens that door for you and like, keep your people close. If, if I can add one more thing to that, I think it's also, you know, we always talk, hey, you'll hear it many, many times. It's, it's uh, um, you know, know your roots. And I think, know, you know, I think it's important, though, as you, as you try to be multi-passionate, know, I think it's really important to remember what got you there or who got you there. So Never for me, got you there. I mean, for me, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, you know, my really i i'm i'm very lucky you know i don't only have the you know the workplace satisfaction but the you know as you have as well bailey like my my home life is is fantastic i feel incredibly lucky to have uh two two dogs not kids two dogs mm-hmm. and uh that's They're pretty it for cute now. dogs though <laughs> and my wife yeah and uh my she's wife, a pretty cute wife too. School, and she's cute too and and in a cute house now and um now and so to have now. those things right and to have those things though um wine might play a role in whatever the next chapter is, but my career in education and technology um, is the reason why I have these things. And I've been very lucky to, to, to pursue new endeavors. So that for me, as, as much as passionate as I might be about wine, um, it is very important for me to, to stay centered, to know what got me there and, and build off of that rather than trying to trying to make a 180. And I think it's very possible to do both things, but it's, it's important not to get distracted by, by shiny objects. A hundred percent. Maybe for a little bit, for a second, but just come back to it. Just you just gotta, to you just gotta remember, like to your point, know your roots and don't buy the hand that feeds you and right. don't take things for granted. You know, when you start yeah. to get as a multi-passionate, when you start to get distracted a little bit by maybe too many things and you forget that you know, first order of business is to take care of your, your full-time day job and then feed those passions as there's time for. I think it's interesting that you said this is the challenge you're facing now is like one is not making up for lack in the other. You genuinely like both of them, which is a whole new thing. And I'm kind of in the same place. So it's an interesting, wonderful challenge to have. It's all good problems. Those are the best kinds of problems to have. You yeah, know, and, and one one day you and I will find our way back to working together, and then I can be annoyed by you all over again. 
and it'll be. I, I, I look forward to it. And at that point, you know, I, I, um, I just at our company meeting that we just had, there was a great, great quote that just, you know, um, may your problems be bigger. You yeah, know, no kidding. That, you know, and I think that that's, you know, as we move forward into, you know, move forward, I think uh, hopefully when we work together again, our problems will be bigger. We'll have bigger, bigger, you know, bigger things to figure out. And, uh, and, and that just means that we're having a bigger impact. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, me too. And I can't wait to be your boss next time. It's my turn. That, <laughs> we can switch on and off. That's fine by me. Perfect. And I need it to be stated that we made it through this whole interview without a single Michael Scott office quote. I'm both impressed and disappointed. I'm massively disappointed because not only is it, we did we get through a, yeah, this might be a first. I don't think we've ever gotten through um, a conversation, conversation or an email like exchange. Well, maybe, maybe we're in a whole new place, Harrison. I don't know if I like it, but we're here. <laughs> is this, is, if this is what being an adult is like, I don't like I'm it. Out. I'm out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again so much. Tons of lessons of great nuggets of wisdom in here. And we'll link to whatever Harrison wants us to in the show notes. Who knows? By the time this airs, he could be into something entirely different. So stay tuned for that. Thanks, Thank Bailey. You,